Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Forensic Files. I'm Dr. N. Today, I'll be covering a case suggested by the good folks over at Hardly Paranormal, the Iceman, aka Richard Kuklinski. I know this case has been covered extensively by other podcasts and documentaries, so I wanted to take a bit of a different approach. Kuklinski was a cold-blooded killer, there's no doubt about that. There are certainly events from his childhood that I'll cover that may contribute to his personality and his actions, but I think the big question I have after researching this case is, is Kuklinski a serial killer? He classified himself as a hitman, which is, psychologically speaking, very different from a serial killer, both in motive and the behaviors surrounding the killings. But that doesn't mean that the type of person who gravitates toward being a hitman couldn't share characteristics with serial killers. Maybe some hitmen are serial killers, though I would tend to agree with the argument that not all hitmen are serial killers. Is Kuklinski one of those examples of a serial killer having a profession as a hitman, or does his psychology suggest otherwise? A big problem in trying to parse out the truth is that Kuklinski seemed to be a pathological liar, or at least a lot of his claims couldn't be substantiated. He had a very grandiose image of himself and most likely overestimated and embellished the number of people he killed to appear more prolific, or maybe as a way of gaining fame. This is a pretty typical trait of narcissistic personality disorder. We'll come back to that in a bit, but first let's look at Kuklinski's background. It was pretty horrendous. He was born in 1935 in Jersey City, New Jersey. His parents were extremely abusive toward him and the rest of his siblings. His father abandoned the family when Kuklinski was very young, after beating his first son to death. But he would occasionally return, and Kuklinski would receive more abuse when he did. His mother also abused him, beating him with a broom handle, often until it broke. Kuklinski claims to have witnessed his mother attempt to kill his father with a kitchen knife. He claimed to have killed many cats growing up uh, and tortured other animals as well. And he also claimed to kill his first human being when he was a teenager. He dropped out of school after eighth grade and began his criminal career soon after. His connection to organized crime was through his bootlegging of pornographic films. He was allegedly hired as a hitman and claimed to have killed for many crime families, including Genovese, Gambino, and De Cavalcante organizations. Kuklinski was arrested and convicted of four murders, though he confessed to killing between 100 and 250 other people and working as a hitman for the mafia. The first murder that was linked to him occurred in 1980. The victim was George Maliband. His body was found stuffed into a barrel. The second murder occurred in 1981. This murder earned Kuklinski the name Iceman because he had frozen the victim, Louis Masge, to obscure the time of death. These first two men were shot. In 1982, the third victim, Gary Smith, was poisoned with cyanide and strangled. The fourth victim, Daniel Debner, was poisoned and found in 1983. There was a possible fifth victim, Paul Hoffman, who disappeared in 1982, but he was never found. 
The charges related to his disappearance were dropped, even though Kuklinski confessed to killing him. There just wasn't enough evidence to go ahead with the trial. Hoffman was last known to be attempting to buy prescription drugs from Kuklinski, so he had the opportunity to kill him, but since they never found a body and Kuklinski never told them where his body was, there was really no case. Kuklinski was caught after agreeing to perform a murder for hire for an undercover cop in 1986. So that's sort of basically what we know as fact about Kuklinski's behavior in terms of murders and serial murders. Now I want to move into looking at the differences between hitmen and serial killers. Now one of the main differences is motivation. Hitmen are motivated primarily by money. They don't typically tend to derive enjoyment or fulfill some psychological or emotional needs from the act of killing itself. The ends justify the means for them. For serial killers, it's all about the means, from who the victims are and going through that process of selecting a victim to the way the crime is committed. They're all about ritual and savoring the act and even taking tokens from the victims as a reminder so that they can relive that feeling later. Hitmen don't choose their victims, so there's no ritual that they go through to select victims and stalk people and and then finally catching them and killing them in a ritualistic way. Another big difference is the cooling off period, specifically for hitmen. They don't seem to require that emotional cooling off like serial killers do. The killings themselves are pretty devoid of emotion and to them, merely a practical part of their job. It might actually be a detriment to the occupation of Hitman if you can't, at a drop of a hat, complete your next assignment. Serial killers often become very reclusive during their cooling off period where they can resume a somewhat normal lifestyle. And the cooling off period varies widely among serial killers. It's a big individual difference between serial killers. So there's no typical cooling off period definition. Um, we just know that they exist. Sometimes they're days apart, sometimes they're months, sometimes even years. But for hitmen, that doesn't really exist. So where does Kuklinski stand in all of this? Psychologically speaking, he does appear to meet some of the same standards as other serial killers. He was interviewed by numerous psychologists and psychiatrists while he was in prison, and he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, but it's hard to know if that's a, a valid diagnosis given that many of his own accounts may be false. So if we're basing a diagnosis off of what he's telling those psychologists that might have been an embellished version of events. He did claim to gain pleasure from the challenge of killing his victims while working as a hitman, which does sort of go against what we think of hitmen themselves as being unemotional. In a case study that was done after his death, there were some psychologists who scored Kuklinski um, on two different psychopathy checklists. So the first was the PCLR, which is the psychopathy checklist revised, and they scored Kuklinski in the 66th 
percentile on this scale, which is a score that's below the accepted cutoff for psychopathy. However, he was scored in the 88th percentile for interpersonal and emotional deficits associated with a personality disorder. And further, his PPIR results, which is the Personality Inventory Revised, showed psychopathic traits, which led him to being labeled as a psychopath since he displayed almost every core trait associated with psychopathy. So even though he didn't meet the percentile cutoff on the PCLR, I think there was enough evidence of him exhibiting psychopathic traits that led these psychologists to believe that he was a psychopath. Now, I certainly believe that he had antisocial personality disorder and traits consistent with narcissistic personality disorder and psychopathy. Not everybody is going to exhibit these traits the same way, and conducting tests on someone who is a chronic liar and after someone's death, it's kind of difficult to get a true reading of who they actually are. But I, I think these get pretty close, you know, looking at, at the objective facts of who he killed, how he did it, how he acted. I think there's there's evidence that he, he does um, have a lot of these personality traits that are consistent with a serial killer. Kuklinski also has a background of abuse and criminal activities that's consistent with other serial killer backgrounds. He also, like other serial killers, led a double life. So at the time of the murders, he was married to his second wife, with whom he had three children. His wife would describe Kuklinski as having two sides, a good side and a bad side. The good side was caring, a doting husband and father. He showered his family with gifts and love and trips to Disney World, and they described him as a great man. The bad side came out sporadically. It was pretty unpredictable. It was filled with a lot of rage. He would physically abuse his wife and emotionally abuse his children. And one of his daughters, I think it was the eldest daughter, even claimed that he had killed her dog in front of her as a, a punishment, I think because she came home late after curfew one night, and that's that's pretty horrific. So he did have these occasional outbursts um, that were pretty reminiscent of the way his father had treated him and his siblings. But even his wife didn't know the extent of his illegal activities. She assumed he was involved in criminal activity because he had a lot of extra cash laying around and he would always buy these really expensive gifts for his family and he always had um, a lot of money coming in and she couldn't account for that with his day job. But she never asked Kuklinski what he did when he left the house and he would leave at all hours of the night and she assumed that he was doing something illegal but she had what, what she told interviewers she had a don't ask don't tell policy and she just accepted whatever it was he had to go do he came back with money and she was fine with it the family lived in in new jersey in a pretty quiet suburb where most of the neighbors were also unaware of this bad side of Kuklinski and unaware that he was involved in any illegal activity. So in this regard, 
he's pretty similar to other serial killers like BTK, who is regarded as a pillar of his community and a good family man. Kuklinski doesn't fit other patterns of serial killers though, like having issues with drugs or alcohol or any other addictions. He didn't have any of those issues, which is sort of surprising since his dad was an alcoholic. He never had issues with, with alcohol or gambling or anything else that's typically attributed to serial killers. Um, and it's that compulsion that's driving all those addictions and driving the killing behavior, which is a, an important point. He also didn't have the typical MO or signature as most serial killers do. It almost seemed as if if he was a serial killer, he satisfied his urges with his job as a hitman. So he didn't have to go out beyond that to satisfy these emotional needs. Changing up the MO is also kind of strange and uncommon for serial killers. He started by shooting his first two victims and then poisoning the other two. And that might have been out of necessity, possibly. But it's, it's highly unusual since serial killers mo and signatures are, are very ritualistic and they have a process that they go through it is very unusual for that to just change all of a sudden his motives seem purely monetary also which is consistent with the hitman definition and his decision to kill sometimes based on arguments or annoyances rather than a compulsion point more to this hitman persona rather than a serial killer. Parsing out whether he experienced the compulsion at all would help answer the question of whether Kuklinski should be considered and classified as a serial killer, but it's unlikely we'll ever be able to know the true answer. It is possible, and given his background, highly probable that he would have committed murders had he not been a hitman for the mob. But again, that's something we'll probably never know. The case of Kuklinski is certainly very interesting and a clear outlier for both hitmen and serial killers. Personally, I believe he fits the criteria of a serial killer who just happened to have a job as a hitman. What do you think? Was Kuklinski a serial killer? Just a hitman? Or both? Thank you for listening to episode 24. If you want to support this podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. You can listen to The Forensic Files on the website at the-forensic-files.captivate.fm, which is linked in the episode notes. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. All episode content was researched, written, and produced by me, Dr. N. All music you hear in the episode was written and produced by me and classical composer Jeffrey Young.